Hey, hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Living with XXY podcast series. I'm your host, Ryan Briganti. So today we have a mother on the other line. Her name is Carissa. How's it going? Going good. So How are you? Doing well. So Carissa has a son that was born with XXY, and we're, today we're going to be talking a little bit about her story, her son's story, and then why advocacy, why she advocates for her son, and why it's so important. So can you get us started on kind of how you guys found out about having Klinefelter syndrome? Yeah, it's um, it's kind of a, like it was kind of an accident um, that we found out. Um, my son was having some different difficulties with like respiratory issues and a lot of frequent illnesses and had some um, developmental delays and things. Um, So we ended up going from like specialist to specialist. Um, We saw several um, before finally ending up with a developmental pediatrician who did a microarray around the age of two. Um, And so that's how we found out. Um, So it was just a really like unexpected um, thing because they were honestly trying to just kind of rule some things out to see why he was having some challenges with things. And, um, it, it came back with 47XXY. What were what were some of the challenges that you guys were going through through the for those first two years where when you guys got diagnosed with Klinefelter syndrome, even though you were going through other respiratory things, what were the things that clicked once you got the diagnosis? Yeah. Um, so it started off, he was having a lot of trouble with um, feeding just from the very beginning. Um, and he dropped down to like the first percentile and then we started him on formula. He got, um, he, he took off and was doing better and then, um, just really started struggling with, with the introduction of foods. And, um, it just seems kind of off that I was a first time mom. So I didn't really know for sure, um, what to expect. And I thought, okay, well, it's just taking him some time. Um, and so we went to, you know, a, a well visit and explained that we were a little concerned and our pediatrician said, you know, he'll, he'll figure it out. Um, he'll get there. And so that was, I think his like nine month well visit. And by the time the, the one year well visit was coming around, he still hadn't seemed to figure it out yet. And we were, we were worried. And I had talked to a friend of mine who is a speech language pathologist and has worked with children with feeding difficulties. And she said, you know, you can ask for a feeding evaluation. And so when we went to that appointment, we asked for that and and we were able to get that. And he ended up qualifying for feeding therapy and ended up getting um, a swallow study done because of how easily he got sick and how sick he got. And so he ended up um, aspirating on all sicknesses and went on thickener to help him um, hopefully not get sick as much and manage his foods and his liquids. And so um, we were so glad to finally have that support, but then he still kind of continued to struggle and get sick um, and just struggle with eating. So we ended up um, being referred to a pulmonologist and the pulmonologist um, had him start some medicines, medications and 
um, he thought, you know, maybe we should do a bronchoscopy and see what's going on um, in his airway. I think there might be something there. And let's also refer to GI. And so we went, um, we didn't do the bronchoscopy yet. We thought, well, well, let's just see how he does. He's doing okay. And um, we went to the GI doctor and he didn't really see anything too concerning. Then we were referred to a developmental pediatrician with uh, the concerns for his other um, uh, delays that we saw with like gross motor skills, like with crawling. He crawled when he was one um, after getting ear tubes. And then he started walking around 18 months. And so we explained all of this to the developmental pediatrician and eventually she ended up saying, well, let's let's do a microarray. And so while we were waiting on that, Hudson got really sick again and ended up having another hospital stay. He, he frequented the doctor's office and the urgent care and ER and stayed at the hospital a few times. Um, and it was just, it felt like that's all we did. And so once he had that, the next hospital stay, we said, okay, let's do that bronchoscopy. And we went ahead with that. It was around when he was two, um, just had a second birthday. And um, it came back showing he had like four different airway disorders um, that we didn't know about and explained so much. And then a few days after that is when we found out, we got a call um, and got the results that he had 47XXY. So we received all of that information kind of all at once after two years of him just having a really hard time. So it sounds like you guys have kind of got like Kleinfelters and then also other, some other diagnoses coming into play. Is that kind of how it is? Yes, definitely. And so I think um, from what I understand from what some of the specialists have said that they've seen, um, some other boys who have XXY, like Hudson, who have like the lower muscle tone um, and do have these like other airway issues or dysphagia, which is like trouble swallowing, which Hudson has with his like aspirating into his lungs. So, um, yeah, he has several things going on um, that just we learned about all at the same time. So we had so much, you know, to learn all, all at once. And it was just, um, it was a lot for us. And I think that, um, yeah, it was just, it was a really hard, it was just a really hard time. And how, we're old, thankful. how old is Hudson now? He is four now. So he's doing really well um, overall um, over the last couple of years. Um, recently, we've seen a couple of different specialists. Um, new specialist and he um, we just recently actually the other day found out about uh, immune issues that he has and so we have been um, really trying to keep him healthy because of all the lung issues that he's had so we're thankful to know that what we've been doing um, has been helping him stay healthy and um, yeah he just he has been just kind of a complicated little guy who has taken us um, to so many different places and we've learned a lot along the way. 
So what was it like, you know, obviously you guys were having lots of struggles and lots of things. And what was it like finding out? I know that, you know, you found out some of the respiratory things as well as the Klinefelter syndrome kind of just added on and piled on top. What was mm-hmm. it like learning about the XXY when you guys learned about it, him being two and, and kind of what was the information that you were given versus the information that you know now about it? Yeah. Um, so when we found out, um, I was actually at school, um, in my classroom, I was teaching at the time and I got this call, um, and I recognized the number as being from the hospital that we were seeing these specialists at. And, um, when I had answered, it was, uh, the developmental pediatrician and she, and I guess I should have realized in that moment that she was calling to tell us the diagnosis because usually it's not um, the doctor on the other end. And she just kind of said, you know, I have the results. Do you want to hear them? And my husband wasn't with me. And I just, I really, you know, I wanted to hear them. So I didn't think they just said yes. Um, and she just kind of, she said I think she said Kleinfelter syndrome. And then she went through um, what sounded like just a list that she probably had, you know, in front of her of all the things that we could expect um, that he might have trouble with or has had trouble with. And it was definitely nothing positive or any of the positive characteristics that, um, you know, I later read about when I found you and in living with xxy online um so i you know started googling right away and um when i was even on the phone with her i had pulled up google to see what she was talking about and um yeah it just nothing nothing comes up that's very positive or makes you feel um like this is okay it it feels scary and I don't like admitting that because I feel like there's um it it makes people think that um you think something's wrong with your child and that's that's not it it's just that it's just it's hard because it's it's almost like you hear that and you grieve but then it's because you haven't been given all this information of the positive you know, characteristics. And there is that unknown that you don't know, um, you know, if your child will have these difficulties or not. Um, And it doesn't change who your child is, especially like if you're getting the diagnosis later, later on, like Hudson was two, like I went home that day and he was still the same awesome kid that I knew that morning before I got the diagnosis. So, um, yeah, it was, it was really hard. Um, it was definitely really hard at first because it was just so much that I was trying to take in and understand and nothing felt good about it um, until I started to, to find more positive information. And so what was it like for your husband um, as well, you know, being, yeah. being your support system and along, the, you know, along your side throughout this? Yeah. Um, it was really hard for him at first um, for both of us. And we just didn't know what to do. Um, 
from, you know, reading and learning about, you know, the challenges he might face or the um, possible infertility and things like that, we kept talking about, like, you know, how is he going to feel about this um, when he gets older? Um, it's going to be, a, you know, some tough conversations to maybe have with him. Um, who do we share this information with? And that was a hard conversation to have because I was thinking, you know, I think we should, you know, be open about this because it is simply how he was born. Like he did not choose to have an extra X chromosome and it's not a bad thing. And um, my husband definitely agreed with that, but also had concerns about just how would people receive this information? And what if they thought, you know, whatever they thought, and it wasn't positive and they made fun of him. And that's when um, I reached out to you and just talked to you about that because it was, it was really tough because it felt very very isolating to not share this information and feel like we were keeping some big secret that I didn't feel like needed to be kept. Um, and my husband, deep down, he, he agreed with that, but also just was nervous for Hudson and what that might feel like for him. And so what did we, t what did we talk about? Do you remember? It's been a while, but I'm pretty sure we just, we talked about how it just, it adds to, it doesn't help break down the stigma by not talking about it. Um, and the more, you know, we're able to talk about it freely um, and, and be accepting and, and spread awareness, like that's going to help. Um, I, and please add it if you remember, um, but that's mostly what I feel like I got from it is that it's such a, an important thing to be able to speak up about it because that's how other people are going to hear um, those stories and those, those positive, um, the positive side of things. Um, whereas they're maybe not hearing all that information from medical professionals who maybe don't know or have experience um, personally with um living with XXY or, or loving someone with it. Yeah, I think I remember our conversation very vividly, just like I remember most of the conversations that I've had with lots mm -hmm. of parents that are kind of very scared on the sense of we're going to just wait until our child, our son is old enough for him to understand. And then it's up to him on whether he wants to tell people or not. And I bring out the perspective of like, well, if your son had Down syndrome or diabetes or autism, would you do the same? Like you can't. You know, right. it's, it's the fact that we're hiding in plain sight just makes it yeah. easy for us to hide behind our diagnosis. Um, and the piece about acceptance, like, um, ex and that's what I kind of want to talk to you about is, is self-advocating. And the thing with acceptance is like, we're all, your child's going to be my age once and or at mm -hmm. some, at some point, you know, and being 36 years old and, and being told at nine, you know, the earlier you are able to learn acceptance and the earlier that your family is able to treat this with no shame or or um, not being scared of it, 
the more that they're able to embrace it, the more that your son will just feel like, Hey, this is me. This is I'm, I'm this way. I don't see myself any different than anyone else. And it's okay for me to talk about this when I want to talk about it and tell other people about it because things don't change unless like our community that's hiding in plain sight opens up and tells family and friends, because like you said, ultimately you want support you want, you know, and, and I mm-hmm. think a lot of people are very worried about the negative impacts and they don't look at the positive impacts of, you know, what if our family was to be supportive and all of his uncles and, and, you know, if there is big family or little family, nieces, nephews, and whatever else is out there, as far as family goes, what if all those people were to be supportive and, and need, you know, and help us in those times where we need that help and they're not going to treat him differently because he has this condition. And I think a lot of people really worry about that. And so instead of opening up, they hide behind it and then they feel alone within that diagnosis of not being able to tell people. So when did you kind of, when did you guys come to that realization of like, I think we need to tell family and friends or, and, and why, advocating for your son was so important yeah um so it it was probably I think it was almost a year later I want to say um it was maybe the anniversary of like when we had found out that he was um diagnosed um we I just talked to my husband about how important it was to me to help Hudson understand that there I didn't want him to feel shame I didn't want to hold on to this information and until he's old enough and say to him you know this is why we've been going to several different doctors throughout you know over the years or this is why and this is what you have and explaining all that and then telling him okay now you get to decide um whether or not you're going to tell um, your friends or your teachers or whoever. Um, I just tried to imagine myself and I explained that thought to my husband, like imagine being him in that moment and hearing all of that information. How would you not feel a bit of shame um, just because your parents held that information from everybody? Um, I think that would be hard. I I just can't imagine um, him processing that and not feeling that way. Um, that's obviously my personal thoughts and, you know, about how I would experience it possibly if I were him, but it's, it's hard. And so I think that conversation with my husband, like he, he really thought about it and we thought about it together. Like we wouldn't want that for him. We wouldn't want him to feel um, like we kept a secret, um, even if it was to protect him in some way, uh, we, we thought that it was best for us to make that decision to not continue to just keep it to ourselves and to, um, to share. And so, yeah, I, I ended up making a, a post on online about it to share with we had already told like immediate family and some friends, um, but just shared about it on social media to just spread awareness about, you know, what we learned about Hudson and what that means. And, um, you know, he's 
awesome. <laughs> and so I just, I don't know. I just think that it was a lot of hard conversations, but a lot of like thinking through what it might mean for Hudson. And I think a lot of families probably, you know, worry about that opposite, um, maybe perspective of, well, what if you do share and these not so great things happen or they get made fun of. And I think I talked to you about this, how you can get made fun of for anything. Um, you know, having XXY or you can be bullied for anything in school. Kids um, can just be mean and being a teacher, like I can vouch for that. Um, so like having him have that like confidence in who he is and feeling um like empowered like I have this and it's okay um because it doesn't make me any less worthy um at all it it's who I am so when you guys opened up and you started to tell family and friends and when you made that post on social media what kind of you know what were the responses from people what wow you know, how many responses did you get and people calling you or connecting with you personally? What was that experience like? Yeah, uh, I, um, I don't remember how many people or exactly, but I just remember it being overall just positive, like saying I never heard of XXY before, um, ever. And thank you for sharing this with me. I'm, I'm looking forward to learning more. Um, I've had some, I made some of the posts public that I've shared and I've had some people that um, live in different states, different places, um, end up connecting with me and saying thank you for, for sharing that because I'm expecting someone um, or I'm expecting a child with XXY and this gave me comfort. Um, and I, I just think that that, that piece of it is so important to me because I think that's what I was looking for when Hudson was diagnosed is um, just not feeling like so alone, like not knowing anyone who has heard of this before and just um, knowing that it is okay. And um, yeah, just having that support, I think. And so did it feel like a weight was lifted off you, you and your husband's shoulders? Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah, definitely did. It felt like um, you just finally take like a deep breath again because it just really felt just hard just keeping it in. And I saw something like um, that I thought resonated with what you just said. And I, I wanted to read it to you. Um, it, it said, it's hard to invite people into your story when you don't know how it's going to be received. And it says, I think um, we're protecting, we think we're protecting our kids and we think we're protecting ourselves. Um, and really like we need, we need people and we need um, help and to be seen. And I just thought that that really kind of resonated with what we're talking about right now with like being open about this, you know, diagnosis and, um, that is a really hard thing to do. Um, but at the same time, um, like it, it can be so powerful and, and helpful too at the same time. And so this little guy Hudson, who's four, 
and you guys opening up and talking about with family and friends, have you guys had any negative reactions? Has, have people ignorantly responded and that you had to kind of personally educate or have you got, have you not had any of that? Uh, not with any family and friends. Um, they've all been very supportive, um, trying to help spread awareness. Actually his, um, his aunt and uncle for um, his cousin's birthday, instead of gifts, they've asked for donations to living with XXY and supportive husband. Um, so that's pretty awesome. They've just all been super, super supportive. The main, um, I feel like challenges we've had is more with medical providers who just aren't aware um, and aren't um, educated and, you know, the research or knowledgeable about XXY in a way that, you know, you would maybe hope um, when you need a new specialist. So that's been probably one of the harder things. And do you think, you know, from, from, I know kind of a little bit about this in the sense of a lot of people in our community think that it's up to the teachers and doctors to learn about it. So then they can properly help with school or with medical in in their child's needs for with XXY. But unfortunately that's not the case. And you know, the, one of the reasons why spreading awareness and why opening up is so important is because the more voices that our community has, the louder our voices together and the more people like doctors and teachers and other people will then learn about this through our community. And then we can get the things to change over time like insurance and education and these major huge things that nobody really looks at. And the only way that we're able to do that, I feel like we're just like the Down syndrome and autism community back in the day when no one really advocated or did anything. And then it was up to the mothers and the families and the friends that all advocated and built these support networks that now, you know, everyone knows what Down syndrome and autism are. Um, mm -hmm. So with Hudson, is does is he aware of XXY? Have you guys kind of told him since he's been in and out of so many doctor's offices? And kind of yeah. what's that been like for you guys? Yeah, we have just talked to him about it every now and then. We might bring it up, um, especially when he puts on. We have uh, one of the shirts from your online shop. And so when we have him wear that um we we might bring it up then or just um yeah if we're going to an appointment and we'll say xxy and talk about how that's, that's something special about you um he doesn't really understand quite yet um what we're you know meaning but we're just trying to have it be in his vocabulary and it be familiar at this point um until he is more able to understand what we're talking about but we also have um the book i think it's gregory and his extra x that we read before um and i just i think i remember i had sent you a picture because the little boy on the cover of that book um he was looking at a bug in his hand and i was like i know i have a picture of hudson doing that same exact thing he's so like i felt like he could see himself in that book as we were reading it um and so we've just tried in those ways to just, um, you know, introduce him to the fact that that's something um, about him that is different. So speaking about Hudson, what 
since learning, you know, and being your son's biggest advocate and having to go to more doctor's office, you know, more doctor's offices than other kids, other families might have to do, you know, mm-hmm. what are some of the things that, and you've obviously deep dived into what is Kleinfelter syndrome and what is not and trying to like find those balances and those fine lines. So mm-hmm. what are some of these like positive and amazing traits that you've learned about your son now that you understand more about Kleinfelter syndrome? Yeah, he um, he's just so curious and creative, which I feel like is pretty common trait. Um, but he just thinks of things that we wouldn't really think of, like as he's playing or um, just asking questions about things that he sees. Um, he's very thoughtful. Um, very loving. He has a two-year-old brother and they are the best of buddies. Um, he's super, super funny. He makes us laugh like all day long. Uh, his teachers are like his occupational therapist and speech teachers, they comment often about how he is just very silly and always making them laugh. So um, yeah, he's just, he's a joy to be around um there's not like hardly anyone who hasn't said that he just brightens their day and um it's just been awesome to be his parents he's so much fun well that's that's really you know that's really awesome to hear and and um for all the other mothers that are expecting out there you know do you have since you know we've talked a lot about advocacy and stuff do you have some information on on kind of your perspective of for, for those mothers that are being diagnosed in utero now that are being told to terminate based on, you know, the old outdated information and you knowing the fears of getting that diagnosis, you know, and all the things that the doctors told you that your son is probably going to have problems with. Do you have some information that you would like to share with them? Yeah, I, I think it's just so important to remember that, you know, your child is, you know, going to be born with this extra X, but it it doesn't change the fact that they're, you know, worthy of living life and a life that um, will definitely be worth living. Um, there are so many things that could come up for any child, um, XXY or not, that could be a, a challenge, whether it's related to speech therapy or getting occupational therapy there's you know always that possibility um with any with any child and so I think that's important to remember that there's such a spectrum of what to expect that you you truly don't know (laughs) and I know that that can be scary but um you know your child is going to you know, do amazing things and bring you joy. And um, every child is so different. So I just think that that's just important to remember that. And I think that remembering that their lives are are worth living is the main thing that that I would say because Hudson has brought just so much joy to our lives. Like we couldn't imagine not having him with us. And just if we had found out early on being given that, you know, option, um, you know, it just, 
makes me really sad thinking about it because he's just brought a lot to our lives. You mentioned the unknown and, and that's something that I hear a lot from, from mothers and just in general. And one of the things that I mentioned to a lot of people is I think people forget that there are un, so many unknowns in life, regardless of a diagnosis or not. And I think that there's this, when you're, I've never been pregnant, but when, when, when you're pregnant, <laughs> there's this idea of like, my child's going to be perfect and you want mm-hmm. to do everything you possibly will. You're going to do everything you can to make this child's life per, like better than your life and, and per, more perfect mm-hmm. than yours. And so I think a lot of families forget that like, there is no, like, there is no, the unknown is, I know with a diagnosis, there's all these possible things that they tell you and all the negative stuff that you read online and that scares the living crap out of everyone that reads it. Right. And I think that people forget that, you know, well, if my child didn't have this, how do we know that he's not going to have, or she's not going to have problems later on in life or early on in life. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think that's something that I think you just said it beautifully as far as, you know, your Hudson's life, like what would, what would it be like without him? And you get, you just couldn't imagine that. So is is there anything else in the advocacy department that I know you, you, you're super active on social media, you know, kind of always posting about something. And, um, is there any other things within, you know, the self or the advocacy area that you'd like to talk about? Yeah. Yeah. I think just, um, just with anything that comes up um, with any child, you know, but especially with our boys um, with XXY, like just not being uh, afraid to question or um, ask for support from, from providers. I think that like advocating for your child in that way is really um, important. And that's been something that's been hard for me because I've always just thought, well, there are, they're the experts and um, I'm just going to go with that. And there have been times where in my gut I've thought, gosh, no, like we need more support or this isn't right and I'm not being heard. And so I think that, you know, any parents, you know, listening, like just don't be afraid to ask, you know, I'm not, you know, comfortable with our decision or I'm not, I'm still concerned. What else can we do? Um, like asking those questions, um, I think is so important because if I hadn't done that, um, I don't think Hudson would have gotten some of the supports that he has now. And, um, you know, getting him those supports has really helped him thrive, I think. So it's just, yeah, but I'm just really passionate about that. Like just not, um, not, giving up on that, I guess, is what I want to say, and just not being afraid to, to just continue to ask questions, even if you feel like, you know, you're being annoying. Like today, for example, I, um, if this is the second day in a row, I'm chasing down a script that is apparently lost for Hudson to get orthotics. He needs them because his feet are pronating, and, and um, it, it's something that we finally are getting addressed, and it's been going back and forth um, between two different providers and no one knows where it is and it's lost and they said we'll call you when we have it and so um, had I waited for them to call me it could have 
been who knows how long because it was never sent. And so it's just like staying on top of things like that can be really exhausting, but um, advocating in that way is important. And in, and just in general, just spreading awareness to family and friends, I think that goes a long way because, um, you know, those people that you're educating are meeting other people who may, you know, know someone who's living with XXY or have a child who ends up getting diagnosed. And then, you know, maybe they'll feel less alone by you saying, oh, yes, I have heard of that before um, and have some positive things to share. Um, I had a, a colleague of mine actually recently say that um, a new colleague of hers has a son with XXY and she was able to say she knew what that was because she had heard me share about husband. And so that was really just an awesome moment to be able to hear that we like kind of made an impact in that moment in their lives. Does it feel good? Does it bring like goosebumps? Yeah, yeah it totally does. Um, and it's just awesome. Anytime I hear that um, from, from anyone, it's, it's been just a handful of people, but it's been awesome. There's someone else who is a, just got hired on as a nurse. Um, I think a local pediatric clinic that will be working with patients with Crohn's syndrome, I think it's an endocrinology clinic. And she messaged me and said um, that she got hired and she'd be willing, or she is excited to learn more um, from me or, or would love to hear anything I have to share from the parent perspective. And she had said that she um, has learned some things from things that I've shared that she hopes to apply and, and to use as she's trying to help parents and families that she meets with. And I thought, gosh, like that's, that's awesome. Like I didn't expect to have that impact, but um, it's like everything I could hope for in trying to spread awareness. And that's just in such a short period of time of, of you guys being open about it. And one of the, I've got a couple things I'd like to comment on what you just said. And one of the things is like Hudson is four and he's unable to comprehend that his life and, and him being, his parents being open about his diagnosis and sharing with, you know, the world, their, their local friends and family and online and through social media. And, you know, your son has already had the power and the opportunity to save lives, to to help other families not terminate their kids because of the old outdated information or doctors that don't know anything about it that just go on to Google and print it out. And, you know, the horrible things that I've heard from families of just every day, countless, you know, every day a mother or, or someone will, an adult will tell me that they just got diagnosed and we talk to them and um, hear their story and how they were told and, and how most of the mothers go into fetal position and cry and, and, you know, until they f see the positive and, and the good and like the photos out there. So by you just sharing your story on this podcast and putting yourself out there, it gives all these newly diagnosed mothers and older men an opportunity to listen to someone else that's been in their shoes that has lived in those moments and that got through it. And it brings, mm -hmm. it brings a lot of hope and, I think that's an incredible accomplishment for your son to like know that later on and later on when he can understand to know that just by him being here and being himself, that he's been already 
had the opportunity to save other boys' lives just like him. And that, that I think when that comes to acceptance of yourself, that that really, you know, as long as that's communicated well from the parents to the son, that that's a really thing to be, a really big thing to be proud of. And you mm-hmm. talk a little bit about, you talked a little bit about how like advocating, right? And never listening, like not letting people tell you no, or we're, we're going to call you like for the script, for his feet, for orthotics, mm-hmm. it doesn't stop. So these are things that you guys will have to instill in your son with his, with his testosterone or with his medical stuff that he's going to, once he turns 18 and, you know, depending upon, you know, how the insurance system works, but you're, you're going to have to advocate for these things on your own. And one of the biggest things that I've been dealing with lately, and, you know, here I am starting a nonprofit and, and raising awareness about Kleinfelter syndrome. I don't have doctors that support me that, or that have knowledge to care. And so recently I, I found a new endocrinologist and I've been having some testosterone issues and some other blood work issues. And my purse, my current, um, endocrinologist has just been like, Oh, well, you're the expert in the room. That's what he told me. And I'm like, I'm like, wait, what? Like, I'm not a doctor. Like (laughs) I know that I, my hematocrit levels are high and it's really dangerous for me at 36. So work with me on this. He's like, no, we'll just see you. We'll just see you in six months. Like make sure you get your blood work done. Like no options, no, no, like, Hey, why is this happening? No alternatives other than like, Oh, you just have to lower your testosterone. So in order for me to advocate, I've now had to like get a referral and I call my doctor's office and was like, Hey, I called three weeks ago to get a referral sent to a new doctor. Was, did you guys send it or like, where is it? And they were like, Oh, well your primary care doctor said that you're like, there's no reason because you already have an endocrinologist. And I'm like, I asked for a referral for a second opinion. So like if I didn't call, then I would have never had the opportunity to like, then I would be just waiting more and more time. And so here I am, I don't have an appointment until May 24th. But if I waited, if I just kept waiting and I didn't listen to my instincts of like, just keep nagging them. Don't like, Mm -hmm. don't let these people tell me no. And that's, I think that's super important that the parents are doing it. And then that's something that you're going to have to teach your son. Yes. Yes, 100%. Like everything you just said, it's just so true. Like, um, like real quick on that, like when you said the endocrinologist, um, you said you're the expert in the room, like that does not feel good. Um, when we <laughs> went <laughs> to an, uh, the immunologist recently, he came in with a resident and said they were just looking at the literature before they came in about XXY and how it might relate to immunology. And while I appreciate the effort, it did not feel good um, to hear that they had done that within like five minutes. Um, so, yeah, it's just that's hard. But but making sure that you continue to advocate, that's huge. And then, yes, teaching, teaching your son to do that on his own and continue like for sure. Like that's that's hard to do. But um yeah, if you just keep waiting, like you might be waiting forever, <laughs> not getting in. And that so. that's another piece about self-acceptance of teaching your son, you know, telling him at a young age when he can understand age appropriate things throughout XXY, yeah. why that's so important. Because 
if he accepts himself and he knows that he might have to have more doctor's appointments, he's going to have to have an endocrinologist the rest of his life or a urologist or have primary care doctor that knows and cares that he can then advocate for himself and he's not afraid to stand up and he's not afraid Mm -hmm. to like push forward and go after the things that he knows he needs or the things that he wants or, or to challenge the system. And I know he's only four, but you know, he grows up quick. (laughs) (laughs) They do. And he will. And that's just going to be huge to be able to have the confidence to do that because I am probably one of the last people you would expect to question and um, ask those things to doctors because it's just not the person I've, I've been, but becoming a Hudson's mom just kind of, you know, gave me that confidence and like, I've got to keep asking these questions because no one else is going to do it for me. Um, cause he can't, so not yet. How I'm curious, how has that been for you? If you've, if you've, haven't been this person and it's taught you some things that you never knew about yourself. Like how has that been for your own self growth? It's, it's been hard, but good. Um, it's, I've questioned myself a lot. I feel like a lot of the times, um, I'll leave an appointment after, you know, questioning something and I'll feel like, gosh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Or, um, you know, maybe that's not quite right. But then, you know, we've gotten so many results back that have surprised his doctors with different things um, going on, whether it's been respiratory or whatever it is, um, airway related. And we've been told so many times, oh, it's not that. It's not going to be that. And then it comes back and it is. And so I just feel like, yeah, I just keep asking. I just keep asking because I just want the tests kind of to speak for themselves at this point. And I think that that's really given me some confidence is that, um, you know, I'm just going to ask for it and we'll let the test speak for itself. And hopefully no one will stop us along the way, just trying to get more information to better support him. We'll keep doing what you're doing. I mean, it's it's definitely a challenging road facing the medical system and all the daunting things that could potentially be and everything that's out there. But it's really incredible that Hudson has a mom like you and all these XXY boys have parents that are, you know, supportive and are willing to go to the edge of the earth in order to do whatever's best so they can have the the best chance. It's uh it's really incredible and yeah. It's, I really appreciate you sharing your story. And um, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about or anything? Or, or have, you, have you covered everything? Um, I think we covered both things. I think one thing, um, my mother-in-law actually, um, she wanted to help spread awareness. I, I didn't mention that earlier when we were talking about telling family. But my mother-in-law kind of took it um this idea that she got um, and and presented it to me. She she created a um, bracelet with a local um, uh, shop in our small town um, and a local like designer. She thought that this could be a great way for caregivers, especially especially moms and um, maybe grandmas or anyone who wanted to spread awareness um, in a different way. And so. 
yeah, she she helped with um, advocating and and spreading that awareness in that way. And so there's this shop in our local um, um, in our town, and they're selling these um, bracelets that um, part of the proceeds go to Living with XXY. Um, and so um, yeah, those are still um, for sale there, and the proceeds will go. Um, part of them will go to you guys. So what's, that's something I do. You have their information. Do you have their social media yeah, or their yeah. website? So, yeah, it's Lois Pearl um, is the shop that is selling them, and they're called the XXY Unite bracelet. Um, I think you know, just googling that, it should hopefully come up. Um, I can also get you the link too. But but yeah, so it's been an awesome way to spread awareness. We've had people from many different end up purchasing um and just even a local um mom not far from where I live with her son with XXY um came across it and we got in contact that way so it's been cool to know that there's someone not far um that maybe sometime we could meet up so that's it's just been a really cool way to connect and my mother-in-law has been able to have a lot of great conversations with people who have um, noticed her her bracelet and asked about it and she's been able to share about Kleinfelter syndrome in that way and um yeah so it's been it's been pretty cool you know you bring that up and I've actually had the wonderful opportunity to meet your mother-in-law and and your father-in-law yeah. that were in San Diego on on vacation and they they did hand me a a nice check from that um donate from all the people that had bought bracelets which I wasn't told I wasn't expecting at all and it was just a beautiful thing and um, how do you spell it? How do you spell Lois Pearl? Yes. Um, so it's L-O-I-S and then Pearl, um, P-E-A-R-L. Dot com. Is, is that the? Um, I don't. I'll put, I'll put a link. Com, but I'll put a link in the bio. So if anyone is interested and. Um, I'll just put a direct link in the bio so then they can go to the shop and they go to the store and, and see what, see what's available. That's perfect. Yeah. Awesome. Well, it's been an incredible time sharing your story and talking about Hudson and, and all the self-advocate work, work that you do for him. Um, I really appreciate you guys just putting yourselves out there, being vulnerable and, and wanting to, you know, be a voice for not only your son, but other people within this community to, to bring it to light, to, you know, to create some positive change within 80 years of old and misinformation. So I appreciate having you on and um, look forward to just hearing Hudson's story as he grows up. Yeah, thank you. And thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. We'll talk to you soon.